Welcome to the Real Triathlon Podcast. I'm your host, Garrick Lowen, here with Nicholas Chase and Jackson Laundry. Welcome back to the Real Triathlon Podcast. Today it is Jack and I. Jack is in Castle Rock, uh, Colorado, while I am in beautiful Ypsilanti, Michigan. <laughs> Jack, how are you doing, man? How are you feeling after Florida? You just came off another race that's two 70.3s and two weekends. How's the body feeling? Yeah, um, pretty good, man. Honestly, uh, Florida was good. It was, it was, I would say, you know, as good or better of a swim and bike as um, Texas and then not quite as good of a run, but still a pretty solid run. So good day overall. Uh, came away with a fourth, um, which sucks because you want to be on the podium. But I mean, the next dude was like over two minutes ahead and it would have taken like a very, very good run for me to catch him. And um, I've got no regrets about the race. So happy with that. And I flew up here to Castle Rock with staying with Matt Hansen, who's an absolute beast. And we're at 6,100 feet here, 1,850 meters or so elevation. So that was an adjustment for sure. You're just like crazy thirsty for the first few days. Um, more, t- more sleepy. Like I even still like every day I'm taking a nap, which is not normal for me, but um, definitely notice the oxygen, the lower oxygen in all the training, especially swimming. So think i'm hopefully getting a good adaptation from it and the other thing i've learned is that matt hansen is an absolute monster in training it's scary like i haven't even done really any hard workouts with him yet and it's just it's just terrifying how strong that guy is swim bike and run so tomorrow i'm going for a long ride with him um three hours with some really hard work so yeah we're gonna we're gonna see how that goes but it should be fun. Um, that'll be over in Boulder. So a little bit lower over there, about 5,300 feet or something, but it's been cool. Um, yeah, man, I think some, there's something to this altitude training for sure. Uh, I think it definitely does something and it'll be interesting to go down to 3000 feet, which is where St. George is next week and try to see if it helps me in the race or maybe placebo helps me a bit or what happens. Yeah, I mean, Matt, too, like, he lives at altitude, um, and he's also more of an Ironman athlete. Like, this is kind of his first ever 70.3 block here, and, like, focus on that. So, you're well, you're, like, a full-time 70.3 guy, so you guys are on a little bit of a different wavelength when it comes to training. Uh, so, I wouldn't be too demoralized if he's doing, oh, like, no. 4,000 yards in 50 minutes or something ridiculous like that. Yeah, he did do 4,000 yards in 51 minutes today. And that included a bunch of 25s that were on 30 seconds. So the rest of it was like one tens, but yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, we haven't been doing too, too much training together. We swam together a couple days and uh, we did one trainer workout where I did the same workout as him. And now this weekend is where we're doing the most together that we are for the whole thing. Cause I've got the three hour ride with him tomorrow. And then Sunday we're going to do, He's got a hard run workout and I'm only going to run the last four miles of the workout with him because his warm up pace is like six minute miles and I'm just not going <laughs> to, I'm just not going to do that. So um, I'll try to stay with him for the last four miles and that'll be cool. We actually, he might have uh, his uh, videographer come out and get some footage of that. So you might be able to see that. We'll, uh, we'll push that out and I'll promote it if it happens, but um, 
So Garrick, you pulled out of Galveston with an injury during the race, which we talked about. And now how is that doing? Are you back to training? Are you quitting triathlon and injured forever? Like what's going on? Yeah. Uh, it's kind of a funny thing. I think we kind of, um, so I had what we suspected was a glute pulling a glute, um, or straining one of my glutes. Uh, but we kind of, I kind of went to PT and he suspected it's has something to do with my sciatic nerve. So coming kind of coming out of that lumbar plexus there did some work, uh, and it kind of mag, I shouldn't say magically, but by, uh, about 10 days after the race, I was pain-free. Uh, obviously I was in a lot of pain after the race for the next couple of days, but you know, I was, I was pretty down. I think something we could talk about maybe on a later episode is just like kind of your mental state after when you're like, you can't train because of an injury or whatnot. And then, uh, um, kind of accepting that, especially after a long break and it's like your first race back and then it just doesn't go as planned. And even though going to the race, I was like, you know what, man, like this is not, I'm probably going to have a bad race. I haven't raced in forever. It's not a big deal. And then just like never finishing the race. It, it was pretty hard. Uh, so, but yeah, kind of, I don't know if we touched upon it, we've talked about it before, but my glute, I mean, it kind of happened 65 K on the bike there. Uh, and then I guess I'm back into it now. I get my first hard ride today, no pain. So that's good. So I am not changing my professional, um, aspirations to cornhole. I'm going to keep it in triathlon and I pulled out of St. George. I will hopefully be back. Well, I know I'll be back by Des Moines. So yeah, that's, yeah. And it's especially tough. Like, like you said, you're off for so long. And then also just the sport in general, like if you're lucky, you get 10 races a year you've probably never had that many as a pro, like maybe back when we were doing like ITU and you just kind of race, you know, local stuff, but like pro events, you've really haven't gotten a chance to show what you can do yet. Cause obviously the pandemic and before that 2019, you didn't get a chance to race too much either. So um, your second half of the season, man, it's going to be for you. And we're going to hopefully crush some of the same races. Maybe go back to New York city, have that good old throwback race. Yeah, man. I'm actually, you know, I hate New York. And like I said it every time in New York City, they just announced as a pro race for those listening. But I every time I went there, I'm like, man, I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. And like now I'm like, man, I would love to go back to New York and do this race. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's just it's like, I don't know. It's just like nostalgia. I, I did that race in like 20, maybe even 2015 and 2016. Um, and just, I don't know. It's just, it's a cool, it's a good course. I love the course and it's a great race. It's just a crappy place to try to prepare for a race. Like it's one of those ones where I would always show up like three days before. And it's like, you should just show up the day before, because it's like, you can't do anything in New York city before a race. Um, but yeah, tiny little prize purse. Uh, the winner gets pretty much everything and <laughs> it's probably going to be terrible, but <laughs> we should do it anyways. Yeah, it really is winner take all, but like, like you said, man, it's nostalgic and it's a good time. Uh, it's one of those races. I think for me, I'm just going to go in not financially, like I'm going to make sure I'm financially stable going into the race and that not everything's going to be reliant on that. But, Oh, I just to rip around central park and just throw down a solid race. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, yeah, we'll do that. And we'll have a couple of races before. Um, but we should probably jump into this interview here 
where we're going to be talking with Justin and Jeannie Metzler, um, who's the first time I think that we've had a couple on at the same time, like a pro triathlete couple. And they're both obviously really solid athletes. Jeannie has like almost 30 podiums and like 10 wins. And Justin has a few wins and a bunch of podiums as well. So they're really good athletes training Boulder. And um, that's kind of the triathlon capital of the world for pros. So it'd be cool to hear from them about what their training is like, how they met, what are their goals and, you know, why are they so kick-ass at triathlon? Yeah. So let's, uh, let's roll into it. So we're here with Jeannie and Justin Metzler, our first triathlon power couple, the fastest triathlon couple we've ever had on the show. So thanks so much for joining us guys. Thanks for having us on. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Stoked to be here. (laughs) Cool. So yeah, I mean, obviously you guys have both had some big success in the sport and we really want to get into that. Um, but always an interesting topic is how you got into the sport. So, I mean, I know Jeannie, you're coming from South Africa. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. That's so cool. yeah, let's start with you. Like, how'd you get introduced to triathlon and then decide to make a leap to going at the pro level? Uh, yeah. So I kind of grew up doing a whole bunch of sports. Um, mostly running and field hockey was kind of my main sport. Um, my mom actually also did triathlon for a bit. She did some Ironmans, um, but it was the kind of final year in high school where um, a cousin of mine introduced me to some cycling and then a triathlon squad. He just kind of thought I would be good at that. So uh, on the weekends, I would just like ride my bike with him and I'd really just enjoy that. And then I started doing like some training for triathlon and then um, I ended up doing the 70.3 in South Africa um, and I won my age group there and then I was able to turn pro. Um, So then once I had like a a coach and um, in South Africa, he wanted me to go over to Boulder, Colorado, where I am based now. And we kind of went, went there for a summer and I absolutely loved it. It was just incredible to just train and see the athletes here and get to race. And um, it's just kind of been a progression every year um, as I try to build my career in triathlon. And so, um, yeah, that's kind of been like the past eight years. Um, now I'm based here and um, I met Justin here and we're married and we have a dog and uh, <laughs> we're just trying to, yeah, keep, keep living the dream, I guess. <laughs> Awesome. So did you guys meet that first time you came to Boulder or was it later? It was a little bit later because like I said, the first time I came over was pretty much just for a summer. And then the next year it was like six months. And then I was able to get a P1 sports visa, which allowed me to stay in the States for a longer period of time. Um, so I met Justin in what was it? 2015. 15. So um, I was like kind of my third year that was, I was in Boulder. So we kind of met through a, a mutual training training partner here in Boulder. His name's Chris Lieferman. I'm sure you know him. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> cool. So, you, I just want to get the timeline straight here, just for my purposes, maybe people listening. But so, you yeah. got into the sport, you did your first 70.3, won your age group, and you went pro pretty much immediately after that. 
Yes, pretty much. So I was 18 when I did my whole, yeah, I I just turned 18 when I did my first 70.3. And um, I don't know, like I've always wanted to be a professional athlete. I just didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I was like, like I said, I was running and playing field hockey and all kinds of sports. But once I did triathlon and I did the 70.3, I was like, oh my gosh, I absolutely love this, especially like the non-drafting and um, that specific distance. I really enjoy the half marathon too on the run so once I did that I like my parents were super supportive of that so um, I just felt like I really wanted to pursue it with everything that I had and um, in order to to make that happen I I felt like I needed to move over to the states because it's just like absolutely next level here so um, yeah that's just kind of how my career progressed. That's awesome and was there ever any inkling to race ITU or do you always want to do that non-draft? There, there was a little inkling just because like in South Africa, I guess they try and recruit some people for, for the Olympics. And I, I did try one distance, but like my swim wasn't so great when I first started. And I, I was really just like so nervous in that open water swim environment, especially in the ITU swim starts are kind of aggressive. And it just wasn't for me at that time. But now, like, I mean, I'm training with an ITU squad at the moment here in Boulder. And um, it's like, it's interesting because like, had I been in maybe a better place or had someone maybe steer me in that direction, I think I may have gone that that way just because I, I don't know. I just, I think it could have been fun for sure. <laughs> Any thoughts on maybe giving it a go for this Olympic cycle? Um even with training with that group now? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, uh, like, I mean, I have a massive amount of respect for those athletes, especially pursuing Olympics. Um, but I just, I, I've kind of gone down my path and I, I'm pretty happy where, where I'm going. Like I, I've done Kona and I, I didn't have a great first time there, but um, just having had that experience and, and done the race, it's just like an absolute dream of mine to go back and hopefully improve upon my performance there. And that's kind of my ultimate goal um, in the next few years. So, yeah. Well, that's pretty unbelievable that you were able to go pro so fast, but really not surprising given your results. I mean, for people who don't know, you've had like, it's got to be just that I've scrolled through and seen, it's got to be like getting close to 10 wins and um, like 30 podiums or something like that. So it's pretty ridiculous. Um, And obviously Justin has had some fantastic results too. So while you're learning about the sport in South Africa and getting into it, Justin, you're in the States, obviously, where'd you grow up? And I think I saw you did your first draft on in 09 or something like that. Yeah, that's right. I grew up uh, outside of Chicago. So kind of just a little suburb out there. And my dad, similar to Jeannie, was racing Ironmans when I was a kid. And I kind of same similar story to Jeannie was playing traditional sports growing up. My big thing was basketball. My name is Big Met. Like people call me Big Mets, I guess, because I'm really tall. Um, so my original dream was similar, I guess, to Jeannie. You know, we've got a lot of parallels in our story. And obviously that's why we connect. 
um, or connected originally, but I wanted to be a professional athlete. You know, when you are in your grade school, writing down what you want to be when you grow up, you know, I always wrote professional basketball player. Um, and then I grew up going to Chicago Bulls games, was really inspired by those guys. Um, and so, yeah, when I realized that my basketball career wasn't necessarily, I didn't necessarily have the skills to be a professional basketball player there. I actually got pretty sad. And this was going into high school when I just, I really wanted it, but I didn't necessarily have the physical tools to do it or like the, I guess, infrastructure to put it all together on the basketball side. And then I had this year of kind of like wavering about going into high school. And then my dad was training for triathlon. He's like, why don't you just come train with me and my 40 year old friends. And so I just like jumped into their training squad. I could barely even swim 25 and we would do, uh, you know, I could, couldn't even run a 10 minute mile in the beginning. Um, but I just really enjoyed spending time with my dad and hanging out with him. And then I became friends with this group of kind of like older people. Um, and then, yeah, I just took kind of got hooked on the training straight away. And then, yeah, I did my first triathlon when I was, um, 13 and kind of never looked back back since. Sweet. Yeah. That's, um, I think it's really common to have like one parent who did triathlon, even if it's not like super intense, like but just something to get you introduced to it. And then a lot of pros have that. Like my dad did a few tri triathlons even before I was born. I never saw it, but then he just knew about the sport and kind of got me into, so that's just kind of the way it goes. But uh, yeah, Garrett can kind of relate. I think he wanted to be a professional hockey player and uh, went through the same thing. I did not have the foresight uh, going into high school to realize I was not going to make it. Took <laughs> probably a couple of years. That's so Canadian of you, man. That, that's like textbook, bro. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. So you guys meet in 2015 and then have you guys been on the same squad training? Like, I know you've had some coaching changes. Um, like who do you guys, you know, work with now and were you were in this with the same coach before or how did that work out? Yeah. Jeannie and I, so when I first met Jeannie, when I turned pro in 2014, I was just getting coached by kind of like a local coach in Chicago who he had taken me through kind of my whole elite amateur career and he was a great coach, but you know, when I started kind of really wanting to do it for real, I said, all right, I need to hire a professional coach. And that's when I started working with Jesse Kropelnicki from QT2 systems. And he was my coach from 2014 to about 2018, end of 2018. Um, and then when I met Jeannie, I had just started with Jesse and then I said, Hey, you know, I didn't really think that Jeannie's current coach at the time was the best fit for her. So I said, why don't you talk to Jesse? And then she started getting coached by him. And so there was probably like a three-year period there where we were both coached by Jesse. Yeah. Um, and that's Jeannie saw her kind of meteoric rise as a pro kind of in that when she first started working with Jesse, you know, she had, I would say the majority of her 70.3 wins were under Jesse. A lot of them came kind of in the beginning there. So his system kind of like worked straight away. And I think just having like also Justin as an influence helped me a lot, if that makes sense, like having another person to train with, like especially a male pro, like I kind of had it really good because I would train with him quite often and it made me better for sure. I don't think it made him better. Yeah. <laughs> so then we came to this like kind of, um, yeah. Yeah, we were, right. Yeah. You know, we were going through like the honeymoon stage of our relationship at that time. And so, you know, we want to spend 24 hours a day, seven days a week together. And so that, you know, given the fact that we both have the same profession, you know, we, we were able to do that. Whereas most people would be like, you know, you'd go to work and then you'd come home and you'd catch up on your day. So we were fortunate in the fact that it really solidified our relationship, but kind of on the other hand, you know, Jeannie was having all this incredible success, you know, obviously some of that was Jesse's coaching, but then like she said, some of it was just having like a built-in training partner who was 5% faster than her, you know, across the board, More than 5%. <laughs> whatever it was. 
but you know, as someone who like, uh, you know, allowed her to, you know, I would, I, it's not like I would back, maybe I would back down a little bit and she would just push that little bit extra. And I think that worked for like a little sweet spot there, but sure. then it kind of like put a wrench. It didn't put a wrench in our relationship, but it definitely was like a, a point of contention where it was like, you know, Jeannie was having all this success and we were just spending all this time together. You sort of like, you know, we had realized that we were kind of in it for the long haul in terms of a couple at that point. And we were like, all right, I think the best thing to do is for us to not train together anymore. And so after kind of like that, we realized that, you know, I was still getting coached by Jesse. She was as well, but we started to not train together quite, you know, quite as much. And then I came to a point in 2018 where I decided to make a coaching change and I started getting coached by Julie Dibbins. And that kind of put me into the JD crew squad. Um, and then Jeannie was still working with Jesse at the time. So we were really on polar opposite schedules. We would swim together still, uh, you know, every once in a while, but yeah, I think for us, we ultimately realized that the best thing for us as a married couple was to not train together. And we still believe that. And, um, that's kind of where we evened out, you know, now we've been married, um, two years we've been together for six. So we've realized that the best thing for us is kind of like have that normal structure of, okay, honey, you go to work. I go to work. Obviously we're fortunate that we get to spend more time together during the day. Like, you know, training, you have pockets that overlap, but for the most part, we try to just like leave and then come home and be kind of more normal. If you can, yeah, I guess if you can call pro triathletes yeah. normal in any way. And I guess like that brings me, brings us to now where Jeannie made a coaching change this year to be coached by, um, you know, Brian with the origin squad, the ITU groups. And now we both have kind of separate training groups, separate schedules. I would say we train together maybe once a month <laughs> and it, it just bad. works better that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, well, that's like the transition. It went from like every moment together to like some of the training, and now it's like not much. But obviously, what you guys have found is working for both of you. And um, you both did the Huntington. So there's PTO supported race last year. One of them was the Huntington Triathlon, and it was an Olympic distance. Um, and you guys actually both won that day, which was pretty cool to see. Um, just like, how did that race unfold? Was it like, what were the conditions like? And, you know, when did you realize you guys are both going to win? And that was going to be like a really cool moment. I mean, I thinking back, it was pretty cold, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, but it, the distance was pretty fun because it was like, I don't know, we hadn't raced in quite a while. So we kind of needed to blow out the cobwebs. I think Justin raced in Bay Lake two weeks prior um and I hadn't so I was just like kind of glad to have a shorter distance just to get like the ball rolling again but um yeah it was kind of fun cool conditions like it was just like so like I don't know such a small race it was pretty cool I kind of like doing little local races like that when there's not many people and it's just like um yeah just a smaller event and um I <laughs> was definitely a bit rusty on that race, but I, um, I only managed to get into the lead on the last bit of the run. Like, I feel like Justin had a great bike and I got to see him cause it was kind of an out and back bike course. So he was a, he, you were in the lead, weren't you? Yeah. I had a, I had a really good swim. I think yeah. I was like second out the water and then I was riding with Jason West and that was actually like a kind of odd, well, it wasn't odd, right? Because any of these PTO races during like pandemic time or whatever they all are super competitive i guess you know for the region that you're in so anyone that was in the u.s at the time that had it wasn't very deep but there was good guys matt hansen raced brad vice raced jason west and so i swam with uh i think jason and i swam at the front and then we got a little gap and then 
yeah, I've been working on my cycling. That's kind of been like a two-year project for me. Like my swimming and my running are kind of my strong, strong points. And so my site, my bike is kind of like my relative weakness. And so that was the first, I guess, like, um, race where I saw it kind of in action, like some of the things that we've been working on granted it's only 40 K. Mm-hmm. So that really helped someone like me who, you know, I can, for at least at that point, I could hold together what we've been working on for about 40 K. And so I was, you know, thankful that I was able to push my best, like really, really great power, Mm -hmm. hold my arrow position, get off the bike. And first, then I ran uh, my fastest ever 10 K and that includes like, yeah, like high school track and cross country. And yeah, it was super cold. Like I remember, I think I got out of the water, like first or second, but then I lost time because I put on like a full sleeve jersey, gloves, socks, and like me and Meredith case that we actually sat down and put on socks and we were like running through transition and coming off the bike together. I came off with her and we couldn't feel our toes for the first two or three Ks. But then once I got the legs going, I was able to drop her on the first hill. And then I just put in like I don't know, I guess 20 seconds and yeah. it, I, I it was close though. You guys were like, close. yeah, like, cause it was, it was, it was a great race because <laughs> they I held, held her off. Yeah, yeah. They couldn't get, I don't think they could get much closure, I guess like road closure or whatever. So they did a four loop run course for 10 K. So you had two and a half K loops. And so we could see each other. We could see each other times. T- tons yeah. of times. And actually my mom was there and she was, she was at the turnaround and she was like telling, obviously like Justin, the whole, you know, you're winning. And then like, you know, Jeannie's winning as well. And then, you know, the third lap, I sort of saw, you know, Jeannie and Meredith were within 10 seconds. Like she gapped her kind of on that first hill on the first loop, but then Meredith is so strong and so determined that she held that 10 second gap for like the next three laps. But Alyssa Dola was also there and she's right. a great like bike runner. So she was yeah, like top really PTO, running us Daytona, down. Yeah. So I, I mean, I wasn't in my best shape there, but I was able to hold them off by like 20 seconds. Yeah. So. And we were like, you know, given last year was just such like a crapshoot for everyone. Like it was just like such a downer of a year. And I had had, both of us had such big ambitions kind of at the beginning of 2020. It was just like to have a year that was such a, like a, like an, a loss on so many fronts, you know, financially, emotionally, whatever to have a win, at least we could take something out the year and say like, all right, that was definitely like a highlight. Um, you know, you want more at bigger races and whatever, but it was definitely like a, a high point of 2020 and a year that was kind of marred by general shit. <laughs> yeah, that, that race was, it was interesting. Cause it had all the stories. PTO put all the stories up on Instagram and I was watching and following it it's it was such a pandemic race because you had like this world-class field there super competitive just like this epic battle for the win in the women's race justin you're obviously off the front on the run and stuff and holding off um what west and like there's nobody there it's in the middle of nowhere totally that's <laughs> yeah. exactly right <laughs> but that that was the funny thing man like we were doing this run and like the only person out there was my mom at the turnaround i was like <laughs> this is so great it feels like in high school when they would like help me like on the driveway do my intervals or whatever and she'd be out there with like a water cup or on her bike or whatever yeah. i was like that but it, yeah like you know, we all, I think a lot of us grew up doing triathlons like that. So like Jeannie said, you know, Ironman and even PTO and challenge, like it's such a procedure, it's such an event. It's such like a, it's such a to do to have something where you can just like, it's almost like the wild west of triathlon. You know what I mean? And there's just something awesome about that, um, that we hope more of that happens. I know the PTO back to race in Canada, they they're backing a couple in the U S for 2021, 
So I, I hope that those races kind of retain that feel because it was really fun. We'll have to see now with the inclusion of more challenge and Ironman races, whether or not the pros will rock up. I mean, even myself, like I'd love to say that I'm going to be at all those, but I know, for example, like I'm not going to be able to do the one in, in Virginia. I'm kind of on the fence about the one in Arizona, just based off the Ironman events that, you know, take priority. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. For sponsorship bonuses and for, you know, your, our goals in terms of actually having, um, you know, we want to all move up in the PTO world rank and, you know, we want to move up in the Collins cup rank. So it's like, you know, those like my Huntington race and my bear Lake race, which were arguably some of my best triathlons in my career, they were some of my lowest ever points when it comes to the algorithm that the PTO uses. So kind of frustrating for, for me to sit there at the end of last year and like be begging to get my way into Daytona. Um, and to see this year, like, oh man, you know, I don't really have a lot of my, my 2019 plus 2020 results score isn't super high because like those races didn't even count. So it's essentially like the two races that are scoring are results from 2019, which I, I don't even see myself as the same athlete. And maybe you guys feel similarly, um, just kind of an interesting situation. Yeah. yeah. Um, before we kind of get into that, I, I want to just quickly talk about how you guys dealt with the pandemic. Cause you said you had some huge aspirations going into 2020 and then obviously you didn't have time for that. I just like to hear how kind of different pros handle it. I kind of have an idea because I watch your YouTube, but yeah, if you could just touch upon that for the listeners, it'd be awesome. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause Jeannie and I handled it completely differently. Um, why don't I'll tell, why don't you say how I handled it and then I'll tell them how you handled it. <laughs> Great idea. Yeah. I mean, Justin is like one of the most positive outgoing people you'll ever meet. So I feel like he just like did such a, such a great job of like setting mini goals and like just anything he could to just like help him like, you know, have, stay focused and have like, like super good goals along the way. Like he did like a 5k on the track and time trials around the box here in Boulder for like, just all the time just to keep him going um you know obviously there's no racing so you kind of have to make these things up and we also had a few um vr races that iron man put on which were pretty fun so we were able to do that so you kind of had to be in some kind of a shape to do that but um yeah i i overall he did a great job of just like being super positive and and yeah, just getting through that way without races, you know? Yeah. I think I was overtrained when I got to Daytona <laughs> just because I did too many projects. <laughs> like I just use it as an opportunity to like, oh, well this day I'm going to go with my friend and I'm going to ride as hard as I can up the Canyon. And then the next day I'll go do a time trial on the track and then I'll go over here and do a VR race. And I was just like doing as much as I could whenever I wanted to. Um, so that was probably a negative. I sort of wrote off the season. I was like, there's no way racing is going to happen. So I just looked at it as a year to kind of like have fun and just like send it. Um, whereas Jeannie, I think she's like, uh, she's a pros pro, you know, she's not someone who's necessarily going to be motivated by like going out and doing, you know, a track 5k or a VR or whatever. She wants to race world title events with huge money and the best females in the sport. That's what gets her out of bed. And I think that motivates your training that motivates your, you know, kind of like your, kind of like your whole, um, setup. Sure. And so, yeah, I think last year was really difficult for Jeannie in that sense, because, you know, I'm really motivated by, um, I'm very, very motivated by competition. Right. But I also love kind of like that. I love to train, um, where I think you love to train as well, but you also love to race. Yeah. I love to race. Racing, sure. racing is definitely like a massive, massive, um, 
component of, of what you do. Um, so anyways, last year was really difficult for you in that capacity. And again, I think our internal conversations were like, is Daytona going to happen? Is this going to happen? Is that going to happen? Um, and I think you, we were really 50, 50, um, for example, like we had signed up to race 70.3 Galveston two weeks before Daytona. And we were supposed to get on a plane that morning. We woke up to a text message saying like, Hey, the race is canceled. So like, we all know how wishy-washy the year was. And so we kind of like wrote off Daytona as like, probably not. And so I think when you look at our Daytona results, they might've been a little bit lackluster because I think the preparation wasn't what it needed to be. You know, when, when you commit to a prep, you commit to a prep. And I think both of us like kind of didn't because we thought in the back of our minds, it wasn't going to go. And then you rock up on race day and you're like, oh crap, this thing's actually here and it's happening. And then you're like, oh damn. All right. I don't know if I did what I need to do. You try to fake it obviously. Um, But yeah, I think last year was just difficult in that regard. But I think both of us now, we took a big, huge break after the end of Daytona. Um, We needed that like a month off. And then, yeah, we've just kind of like been going full stop um, into 2021. And yeah, we'll see what that means for, for the rest of the year. And you raced Galveston, both of you guys. Um, How did that go? Um, for both of you. I know Jeannie, you were second, right? Yeah, I was second there. Um, I didn't have like my best day overall, but I, I was able to run well. Um, I just like, I don't know, it was kind of cold on race morning, very, very windy. So a choppy swim there. And I just didn't, I just didn't get a great swim warm up. And my swim start was just not where it where it normally is. So I kind of got dropped right off. Well, I wasn't able to stay with the front group. So right off the bat, I wasn't where I wanted to be. And, and then I kind of struggled on the bike, just physically and mentally in the wind. Um, yeah, my legs just didn't feel great. And then kind of like was playing game, mind games with myself. I was just all by myself battling out the winds coming back. Um, we all race. So I think we all were going through that same situation, right? Yeah. And I think like it, I think that especially in the wind, it helps to at least even have one person with you. Right. And I, I was alone for most, most of the ride until like Jackie Herring came by and then we kind of worked together, mm-hmm. but sometimes that happens in triathlon when your, your bike legs just aren't there. Um, you tend to have sometimes your best runs and, um, I was able to just run really well. And I think I came in in 10th of the bike and I was able to run my way into 10th and you came second. Yeah. So I just ran out of a bit of real estate at the end there. Um, I'll brag about Jeannie for a second here on that run, because I think it's getting a little bit slept on. But number one, it's an accurate reflection of how badass of a runner Jeannie is. Like, I think people forget that she's got the course record at like 20 triathlons on the run. Um, And then that run, I don't know if you guys had the GPS a little bit long, but we both had the course a little bit like a, like a shade long. So her GPS file had the, her 21 K split at 114.14, which would have been the second fastest world time ever. And even with it being like what we deemed to be a little bit long, it was the sixth fastest all time 70.3 run for the females. Um, you know, with the likes of Anne Haug, you know, she has like the top three or something like that. So, we're, I mean, Jeannie is like ultra, ultra world-class runner. Um, and so I think, yeah, whatever. It wasn't even that fast of a run course. There was tons of turns. Oh. We had to run on a dirt track. And I like it, courses like that. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just nice like, to break it up, but I, I can 
just like zip through. <laughs> I'm too big for courses like that, man. My big feet, like they don't work around those corners. It's a weird <laughs> run course. Yeah, yeah. they're like, there's like a dirt section. That was probably the hardest part to just like keep your cadence up there. But yeah. yeah. I saw Julie running yeah. and I was like, this is ridiculous. This is like a sprint. And she's going <laughs> to Well, yeah, I was trying. Oh, I was like kind of mad at myself sometimes that, yeah, I just get kind of angry when I run. So then it's just like, I'm, I'm just like, yeah. You know how that mad. is. Like, I think both of us, because I had my, P, we both had PR runs that day on like a, like a really difficult course, which that was great, you know, really great to see. But I think we were both kind of fueled by that a little bit of like anger or frustration. Like, I know that you didn't have the bike or the swim that you wanted. So you were kind of running angry. And then I left my number belt in T2. So I had to run like 400 meters back and then 400 meters back out. So I lost like over two minutes there. So that would have maybe put me in like more like the fifth, sixth range, which I was kind of yeah. kicking myself, obviously a post-race a really for. great field. But yeah. So I think that would have maybe turned more heads. I mean, no one's like, Oh yeah, great. Justin came ninth. Like no one really cares. Um, if I would have maybe been like fifth or sixth, that might've been a little bit better for public perception, but at least like, I think deep, I know that I'm, I've come a long way, so I'm just, we'll see what happens with the rest of the year. Yeah. I heard about that number belt. So prior to that, you were like, you had a good, I know you had a good swim because you were in that lead group. It was just a uh, Canute that was off the front. Um, and then did you, yeah. you rode who'd you ride with? And like, you were obviously in a pretty good spot, right? Yeah. I mean, decent, right? Like I had a great swim. I was only, uh, I think 14 seconds down from Canute out of the swim. I swam with Andrew Kylie. So me and him and then Arashida. So we had like a, I just let Kylie did all the work on the swim. So I just kind of like chilled on his feet, but we were able to, um, yeah, hold Ben to only 15 seconds. I made up some good time in T in T one. And then I got out second in T one. And then I, I, you know, got away from Andrew and Arashida kind of like straight away. And I had great bike legs, which for me, like I'm more of a diesel guy. Like, I think I'm, Ironman is going to hopefully be like kind of where I, you know, plant my, my foot. Um, but I, so I always feel terrible at the beginning of the bike, but I, I've been working on that. So I felt really good in the beginning. And then I held second, like pretty much all the way to the turn. Um, but I got caught by Lionel Skipper and uh, whatever, who Marcus Herbst, um, the guy who was fifth. I got caught by that, that group and Frederick Hans or whatever his name is. I got caught by those guys at like mile 25. And my goal was to stay away until the turn, because I thought like, if I could stay on the back of that train into the headwind, I might have a chance of staying on. But when they caught me at mile 25, like I was doing 330 Watts at the back of the group into a dead tailwind at 5811, pushing like 95 RPMs. And I was just like, this is way too freaking hard. So I got dropped just straight away dropped. Like I just couldn't hold on to it. And then, yeah, they got maybe like 15 seconds into me by the time we came to the turnaround. And then those guys were gone. And then Sam Long came by, obviously he rides too strong for me to hang with him. And then, um, yeah, I kind of settled in with Vice, Arno and Hanson. The Hanson came by, but then Hanson was having like a little issue with his back. So I was able to like, I, he, he went for like maybe 10, five, 10 miles. And then when Arno and Vice came, um, came through, like I actually recovered from like my early breakaway or trying to like stay away, I guess. Cause I rode really hard until like mile 25 for me. Um, and so, yeah, I was hurting when those, you know, when Lionel and, and Skipper came by and so I recovered with vice and Arno and then, and then, yeah, we kind of came into transition. Nick chase actually was with us as well. Um, and yeah, and then I came off the bike with all those guys like, okay, let's, let's party, you know, between places like six and 12 there. And I was like, all right, I backed my run. Like I've been running really well. And then, yeah, I, I messed up with the number belt thing, but 
um, overall 111, I had the, the 21 Ks at 111, which is my best, you know, half marathon ever. So I'll take the improvement, you know, not necessarily a result you come for, but um, yeah. still not, not shabby in that field. Yeah, well, obviously <clears throat> it was a good performance and it was kind of, you can chalk it up like sort of like I did, like a good performance where something went wrong and there's nothing you could do. And, you know, it might've cost you a couple or three places, which sucks. But at the same time, on a different day when it's not like a world championship field and you want it to go right. So you can like win or be on the podium. So hundred percent. And you know how it is. Like, you know, I've probably done over a hundred triathlons. I was looking at the, the PTO has like their new ranking system. You can see it on their website where it breaks down like all the races that you've ever done. I think I've done 60 over 60 professional triathlons. And then before that, in my amateur career, maybe like probably 50 or 60. So I've done over a hundred triathlons. Right. And like, I've never done that before. And so I'll never do that again. And you know how it is like inherently something's always going to go wrong. And so you hope that it's not a costly, you know, you hope it's not a flat tire in your case. You hope it's not, uh, you know, like a penalty or like a self-inflicted penalty in my case, but um, you know, next time it'll be, you, you know, you eject a bottle in the aid station or whatever, and it's not costly at all. And that sucks, but you get through it. And sometimes it's going to be costly, like a flat tire or doing something dumb, like forgetting your number belt. So you just I got to ride those waves and then hopefully, you know, the, the issues that will, will always happen. You know how it is in a triathlon, something will, it's never perfect. Something will always go wrong. You just hope that it's not as costly. Yeah. Well, there's too much as dumb as running with your helmet on. <laughs> <laughs> I forget someone, uh, someone sent me a message because we made a video about the race, like, you know, on my YouTube channel. And someone said that they did the whole run with their helmet on. They like left transition. They were just like, I think it was a sprint or something. They were like, I'm just committing to this. And they went, oh my gosh. Yeah, I've seen it. I have seen it. Bad in equipment. So once you have it on, you well, have to go back to put it like on. Like, maybe you could throw it away. Like, right. If you're running through oh, the wow. aid station, like here's my $300 euro helmet. Yeah. <laughs> you could drop it there and just hope that they save it for you. That right. Yeah. I did that. I, I did a triathlon in, um, in Finland, in Turku, Finland in 2016. And I had like, at the time, Jeannie and I had like absolutely no money, like bank account, like we had nothing. (laughs) And I had this cask helmet that I had like spent a bunch of money on. That was one thing Jeannie and I, we've never sacrificed an investment in equipment or coaching. So we've always like tried to do our best to like scrounge up whatever we can to ensure the coaches get paid and ensure that we have good equipment. And I'd bought this cask helmet, which I thought was like, oh, the thing at the time. And I had bought this visor and it was so foggy. And then I dropped it midway through the bike course, but I was like at an aid station and I was like praying that those guys had it. Uh. And, and my, my friend and I, uh, Darby Thomas, he was a pro. We drove out there after the race. I was staying with him in Finland and it was nowhere to be home. They had already torn down the aid station or whatever. It It was like a hundred (laughs) dollar visor and I was so pissed, but that sucks. Yeah. Everybody I've launched like $500 bike computers on the bike course and i've never found it (laughs) yeah that shit happens but yeah bring so we just we touched on the pto world rankings um so right now genie you're 20th justin you're i think 70 or 70 or 80 or something 81 yeah so it's in this like weird phase right now where they're like transitioning between like rankings that they're going to count for just for Collins cup. And then they're going to transition it into like the year rankings. So it's a bit of a weird situation right now where people's results are being updated and it's actually causing them to fall down the ranks to people who aren't racing, which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think so obviously like I just, 
I just went down seven places for finishing fourth at Florida, less than four minutes behind the wind, things like that, that are going on that are a little bit weird, but um, what do you got? Like, what's your take on the system in general? And like, how do you view it? Cause I know there's different ways where some pros are like, I don't even pay attention to the rankings because it's, it's just not worth my energy. And some are like, I really need to try to get into Collins cup. So I've got to focus on it. Like, how do you guys kind of go about it? Well, I'm somewhere in between because like, I, I don't want to pay too much attention to how things are like working right now in terms of the overall rankings, because there's still so many races um, happening um, and that's going to change a lot. But I, I'm going to try my best to make the Collins Cup. So you kind of, it's kind of going off time um, as you race. So my objective is just to pretty much go as fast as I can at St. George and potentially another race to try and get me in there. Um, but other than that, it's kind of out of our control for everyone. I guess we could sit here and complain and say how we don't like it. The system is the way that it is. And I guess all you can do is keep showing up and race as hard as you can. And um, yeah, maybe not take too much weight into the world rankings. Although at the end of the day, they are gonna, there's going to be a payout. So it's like I can understand how people are feeling upset because it's money on the line um so i guess i I just have really mixed feelings about everything yeah yeah i think i'm with genie i'm very very mixed feelings i and i'm the first to say uh i'm a huge pto supporter and genie and i have been actually like in the one of the original inception meetings they had a meeting here in boulder i think it must have been 2015 or 2016 with Charles and um, yeah, a couple other local pros in Boulder. I think it was Sam Appleton, Rennie, Tim, Rachel yeah, Joyce, yeah. and and Jeannie and I were somehow in there. Um, anyways, we we were like we've been big fans of the PTO to start, and I think what they're doing is awesome. Like last year, I think Jeannie and I combined, you know, with the the COVID you know bonus pool or whatever, we we had like you know twelve thirteen thousand dollars, which that's massively helpful for us, obviously, right? On the other hand, I'm also I look at it as a the only, like Jeannie said, we're not going to be able to change it. There are things that I don't like about it. Yes. Um, for example, I, like the fact that something like Daytona is the only one race that's included in the Collins Cup rankings. I just thought that that was um, an interesting move. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the only race from 2020 to count. Obviously, the, the year was weird, but there were plenty of people who couldn't race Daytona. You know what I mean? The guys in New Zealand, the guys in Australia. So they're probably sitting there scratching their heads and saying like, oh, well, if I was at Daytona and I came fifth, then I'd be fifth in the world ranking or whatever. I, I physically couldn't get there because I was landlocked. So I think that that's a tough situation for something like that. But I look at it as something along the lines of like kind of like a race. You know, if you're in ninth or if you're in seventh or you're in third, you're trying to do whatever you can to get in first or you're trying to get in fifth or you're trying to just the way I race is yeah. to just get as high as I can. And so when I look at the PTO rankings, I see myself as like an 81 or whatever. And I say, I just want to do whatever I can to get to 80 and then 79 then 78. So I'm just trying to move up. I like I'm far off the point where it's like, I'd love to say, I'd love to get to a place where I'm in that PTO top 50 by the end of the year. I think anything other than that might be difficult, but I mean, we'll have to see. Um, yeah, we'll have to see. I, the, the other issue is the, um, like we spoke, touched on earlier, like the, I really like Thorsten. He's always been like awesome to us. Like he helped us establish Genie's run courses and this and that, but like something like the, you know, the Huntington and the Bear Lake, those, those scores are like, they're 30 points. 
Whereas, you know, my ninth place at Texas was a 71 points. Yeah. Something's not adding up there. You know what I mean? And I understand it's hard to grade a course that no one's ever raced on before in a year of a pandemic, but it still is like that score was in my opinion, way higher than, you know, what I potentially did at, at Texas. I don't, I don't know. It's 100%. complicated. It's complicated. There's so many moving parts. Yeah. It's hard to say. Well, the thing is like, you know, your performance was better in Huntington because you didn't stop for two minutes and you knew your numbers, you knew you were hitting like the only people who really know what the performance is worth based on time or like these kind of things that are so complicated are the people who did the race and were there and they, they saw the conditions and they know that, for example, in Florida, the lead kayak led the whole lead group off course and things like that. Like those things matter, but they shouldn't matter in your points. And so that's why it's just so weird to me that a guy in German Germany just sitting there and, and looking at conditions and trying to come up with a calculation for what the time should have been is the only one who, who know who gets to decide who gets what points. And it's just, it's so odd when every other sport in the world goes by position in position and what the race was worth or the, or the competition, like in any sport, golf or tennis, if you're at the highest level of competition, there's more points available. Well, that makes sense. If you finish first, you get more than second. That makes sense. And, it, and, you know, trying to base it off of time is kind of all weird. And, and, and like, if you're in a finishing sprint with five people and you're all within a quarter of a second, basically everyone gets the same points, but yeah. somebody yeah. won and somebody came fifth and those things matter in sport. And I think that's kind of where, yeah, I think winning, yeah, winning. Yeah. It, it's going to be an interesting qu- equation, right? Like if you're coming from the PTO's perspective, the, and it, the only thing that matters is you fi- uh, going as fast as possible, which actually, I'm in favor of, and I, I really like, I find that to be a motivating factor, right? Because let's say, for example, you're racing St. George, you know, we're all going to go to St. George next week or whatever, and it's going to be insanely competitive, right? To be up there with the likes of Lionel and someone like Rudy and Appa or whatever, like that's going to be really, really difficult. So if you're sitting there in fourth or 10th or 14th or 24th, and you're saying, okay, those guys are three minutes up the road, you're in a great position. But let's say, for example, in a previous year, if you came 18th or whatever, you'd be sitting there and you'd be, you know, like pouting a bit. But if it's like, all right, well, I went and I came 18th, but I scored 81 points and now I moved up 20 points in the PTO world rank. There's a win from that race weekend, whereas before there wouldn't have been a win at all. Um, So that's that's positive. But, yeah, I also I think that wins should be. Um, yeah, like podiums and wins and maybe top five should be awarded some sort of point bonus, because I still think, like you said, being up there is really, really important and freaking hard to do. We all know how hard it is to be top five at a 70.3 right now or an Ironman. Um, yeah, so. it's tough. but yeah, I hear you for sure. And um, you got to find a way to make it more points when the better people show up. So that's obviously really important too, but looking ahead to St. George, you guys are both racing. Um, that's and on the positive note, it looks like Ironman increased the prize first. Did you guys notice that? Oh, they didn't. Oh, what wow. is it? It's a hundred thousand. It was supposed to be 75. Oh, I saw that. Oh, I saw that. We saw a hundred K. Yeah. We oh, saw it in the sorry. pro newsletter. I thought you were going to say 150. I was like, let's go 150. Yeah, it was supposed to be 75. So to me, it's a win. Cause I only just got myself in the loop today, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but still only 10 deep, which is tough, but I mean, it's just going to be a crazy field. I think there's something like a large number of men and women competing. So what are your guys goals for that race? How's your fitness levels? How's training been going? And what do you think is going to happen? 
Well, our goal is to go as fast as possible. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that we'll be trying to just yeah send it from the gun, right? Yeah. Not forget your number belt. <laughs> right. Yeah. Jeannie's got you know Jeannie's got multiple goals. I'd say for this one, you know, you Jeannie's raced super well at St. George in the past. She's raced there three times, been sixth, second, and second. So I think it's a course that suits her really well. Um, and then she's got big Collins Cup implications. Um, sitting kind of on the bubble at number six. Obviously, she's still in the contention for a captain's pick, but I only have to beat Paula Finley. I mean, so it's not going to be—it's <laughs> going to be. It's really not going to be hard, or is it? No, it's not gonna be I'm just joking. It's going to be yeah. a really competitive field, but yeah, our training's been going really well for us both. We're we're really fit. We love the course. We're excited, but yeah, it's going to be a really really tough course and competition so we got to bring our a game and we'll we'll be out there giving our best and yeah, yeah we're looking forward to it i think a lot of people get caught up in the course in saint george and of course it's very very difficult right but i think it's similar to kona in the way that like you know kona the course itself and the conditions are very very brutal but what makes that race harder than any other in the world is the competition, the competition yeah. right and so i think we're all going to be out there trying to kick each other's asses and i think that's what's going to make it super hard um and so yeah i mean like Jeannie said we've been training as hard as we possibly can like i finished my last so hard day today <laughs> i did everything i could we have a new youtube video coming out next week that's pretty much what i touch on is like i couldn't have trained any harder like so we just have to go there hopefully not mess up something that's like you know not a reflection of fitness like forgetting a number belt just go there and just do your best and uh see what that means and yeah obviously yeah both try and get up there in the pto ranks but then you know if we could be you know, anywhere in that top half, <laughs> that'd be good. Yeah, It's going to be tough to do though. We'll see. Have you raced there, Justin? I've done it twice. Yeah. And I think like, I don't know if this is self-imposed, but people are like, Oh, Justin, you know, you're, you're big or whatever. Like it's not a, they've got this big climb, but coming from Colorado, that climb is not very difficult in my, my opinion. And I've always kind of like over delivered on my fitness level at this race. And maybe it's just cause I really like it. Um, so yeah my, it's also got to descend so. yeah it's got you know you got you got to be able to descend well too yeah. so um yeah and i always run quite well on on hilly courses so i'm looking forward to it and i think the conditions will suit me really well that cold water i think is gonna um shock some people as well it's very very cold very cold um yeah. so yeah you've yeah. got to be able to handle that as well so yeah i'm i'm just stoked i think like you know how it is after a year of oddness to have some normalcy in racing, like, you know, Jack, you will have done three races in four weeks or five weeks. Yeah. Three and so four. It's awesome. Right. Coming off a year of like, Oh, you know, no racing. Yeah. Like that's awesome. Wait, no, it's three races in three weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cause well, like the three, three weeks from the first to the last one with the, sure. yeah. Right. Yeah. Like finishing Texas to like this, you know, the finish yeah. line. Of St. Yeah. George. Be like three, so awesome. three races in four weekends. Right. Yeah. Right. But yeah, I hear, I agree, Justin. I think it's not, the climbs aren't like, and even that last climb that's long, it's not really steep. It's only pretty steep for the last like six, seven minutes. So you, it's still a time trialist course for sure. Um, it's, and it's actually from, from where the swim is to where the transition to is, it's a net downhill. Um, so, you know, bigger guys have done really well on that course. Sam Long's done well. Lionel's done well. Young's um, won it twice. Yeah. Right. It's just, it's a, it's a tough course, but it's, a, it's a course for good bike riders period. So I think you're going to be 
up there for sure. And and yeah, you're a bigger guy, but it's not it's not like it's not crazy hot. It's like perfect. It's it's a good race for for you guys for sure. Um, but we'll see what happens. It's gonna be awesome. And then after that, there's like no races for forever. So <laughs> yeah, it actually works out nicely for me. I'm doing Ironman quarter lane. Well, hopefully, you know, fingers crossed that it goes on. So like I wasn't planning on racing after St. George, I was going to take a little like week off and then I was going to do like a big Ironman build. So cross fingers that quarter lane still goes. And then, um, I can have kind of like a clean Ironman build and then yeah, Jeannie, you don't have a plan yet. do you? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to figure it out off the St. George. It depends on Collins cup, right? Like if you knock out Collins cup and then it's like, Oh, well now Jeannie's sitting fourth, then it's like with the great points that's possible. Um, but it might be like, Hey, I've got to go to somewhere to Des Moines get another score. Probably the next race yeah. I hope so yeah. yeah we'll see to be determined yeah <laughs> it's just gonna be about racing again you know yeah yeah honestly well garrick what do you think you gotta ask him one one big you know very confrontational question yeah sorry i had to move uh, morgan was cooking but um <laughs> first i actually i want to thank justin for let, letting me borrow his pump while i think about a question here um, oh, you don't have to think about it. <laughs> man i'm i'm a i'm a expert pump borrower that that pump actually saw its rounds because lauren brandon was like running through transition yeah, she had a problem she forgot like, to pump her tires in the morning and then they were like corralling us and they were like she's like oh i didn't pump my tires she's got pump i was like you can have mine right here and then i left the race because <laughs> Jeannie and i had a flight home that night and so i, I just forgot about the pump and so mm -hmm. dd Griesbauer had to fly back to boulder it was a whole thing anyways you yeah. got the goods on the pump early yeah <laughs> but yeah but Actually, that, that leads me to this question. Where'd you buy that pump? Because that was like a perfect travel pump. Amazon. It's a silica. No, it's a, it's a lysine, I think. A lysine, yeah. Yeah, lysine travel pump. 55 bucks on Amazon. Best purchase. We have two of them, and we use them every day for our everyday pumping. And then- They're not the base for everyday pumping because you have to like kind of screw it it's on. It's a yeah, thread on. But for travel, I mean, like, especially like international travel, you, you need a pump. Like we went to China and like, no one's going to have a pump for you there. You've got to have a pump in hand. So. Yeah. And, and you can like flip the valve and put a crack pipe on it. Like yeah. it threads a crack pipe for a disc. So and it's super light. So yeah. Super light. Like you can throw it in any, it's like, yeah, like a pound or two. So yeah. I'll uh send you the I'll link send you the link. You can put it in the show notes. <laughs> Beautiful. Cool. Perfect. Thanks for having us, guys. Thanks, guys. Oh, thanks for coming on. It's been yeah. awesome. Good luck. Yeah. Uh we'll see you guys in St. George. Uh you'll see Jack. Yeah. All right, cool. All right. Sweet. All right. See you there. Sounds good. <laughs>
I, I'm not joking when I say like, I saw her and I was like, this woman is sprinting. Like, how is she going to sustain this for a half marathon? And she did. It was like under, they said 21 K was 114. Her time officially was like 115. It's, it's nuts. So yeah, one of the top 10 fastest 70.3 runs for a woman of all time. Yeah. It's uh it's nuts. Not too many dudes even outran her. So that was crazy. Um, and then Justin had a great race and freaking sucks about his belt. But anyways, um, so that was cool. But yes, our patrons, we have given away our prizes for the month of March giveaway. We're, we're going to have an April giveaway. We've got some, uh, some options out there that we've reached out to some potential giveaways. It, it's just a matter of picking what we want to do. So we'll announce that soon. We're going to have a bonus episode as well, which is going to be Matt Hansen because I'm staying here with him and I've heard some really funny stories from him from training and his training group and, and a couple other things and a funny story with what happened when uh, he had to do the obligatory drug testing and he was at a public pool. So it was a public restroom and it was kind of a funny situation there. So um, that's going to be our bonus episode and I'll have him on soon. So what is it called? It's not it's not called subscribing. What is it? Page, page, patronizing? Patron. <laughs> Sign up for patron. We've always got the link in the show notes and um, you'll be eligible for that contest, which we will announce soon. And it's going to be awesome. It always is for those people who support us. But um, anything else to say, Garrick? Oh yeah. You still uh, got to pull up the episode for, or the episode for the bonus March. Yes. Uh, no, that's the April one because you announced it was going to be April. I do apologize uh again we were at races and then i had final exams that is all done i am a full-time podcaster triathlete for the next week (laughs) you catch up on everything i love you guys on the patreon i love you guys that aren't patrons as well thank you for listening um the patrons i love like 150,000 downloads on our list episode didn't we or was it 150 million yeah we got uh, tons of downloads but (laughs) one thing i i do want to say and for all of you online shoppers there go check out our team store again everything we sell on that go is we get a small cut for the team and help support us and bring you all this content as well as becoming a patron um i think that's pretty much it i mean we like put so many hours into this and we're getting dozens and dozens of dollars to do this sport so anything helps and uh yeah, we want Garrick to be in that financially stable position so that we can go to New York and complain about how shitty that <laughs> place yeah. is. <laughs> yeah, maybe we can afford to get to not for one of us to not sleep on a cot this time. That yeah. was awesome. <laughs> last time, very quick story. Last time we did New York City was 2018, I think. And we like had an Airbnb and it just was the person didn't show up. It was a disaster. It was in like the ghetto of ghettos and uh, we didn't stay there. So we quickly got a hotel and it was a tiny room. Like I don't even know how many square feet, like 150 maybe. And uh, Garrick and Morgan obviously stayed in the bed and I was in the cot and there was barely enough room to even walk between the cot and the bed. And And we had two bikes in there. Yeah. Yeah. And we drove Jack's car that didn't have any AC. We were like full on pro athletes there. Yeah. My old car, which you guys, I feel like we need to post a picture of it at some point because that car has been mentioned in multiple episodes. Yeah. We'll put it up on the Patreon page. Yeah. There you go. You have to be a patron guys. See that car. That's sweet ride. (laughs) Yeah. All right, man. Um, 
I think it's time to sign off. So without yeah. here, but Jackson. Wait, peace. Out. I got ish to do. Flying through the sky in my parachute. Dancing on the couch like I'm Tommy Cruise. On a one-man mission trying to see it through.